Welcome to Living the Dream Acting the Podcast. A podcast for actors, by actors, about acting. And here's the host, Christina Kipper Halstead. Hi, I'm Christina, and on this podcast, I track down interviews with actors, writers, directors, and everyone involved in the performing arts from stage to screen. I cover getting started, not giving up, and inspiration for artists all around the globe who are taking action on living their dreams. On today's episode, we head to New York City to talk with television and film actor Brendan Patrick Connor. Please stick around for that while we do a little catching up. An unplanned hiatus from the podcast in 2017. I ta- in the last episode, I talked about how my uncle had passed away, so that was the fall of 2016. And for those of you who are keeping track, I did buy a car. I ended up buying a brand new car. Just during that time from when, frame from when he died and really over like the next 13 months after that, it was filled with a lot of stage work, so I was definitely living the dream. But I also suffered more loss. Uh, So some things, including the podcast, just fell by the wayside. I also needed to check in with myself to see if it was something I still wanted to do. And I decided that I still had some things to say on this journey. And hopefully things the audience still wants to hear. You know, in upcoming episodes... I will get into, you know, some things that I have to say about the current political landscape. I do want to talk about the Me Too and Time's Up movements. But for right now, I just wanted to share that in a six-month period of time, I was in five different productions. And while doing all this, I was already in a state of mourning from my uncle. And then in March of 2017, I actually found out about the loss of an old friend from college. And it was really shocking. Uh, His name is Patrick Pettis. And actually, as I'm preparing this episode, the 13th of March marks the one-year anniversary of his passing. So I will never again celebrate a St. Patrick's Day without thinking of Pat. In the next episode, I'll talk more about what I was doing in the hiatus as far as performance goes. But for now, I just wanted to dedicate this episode to Pat. What I most remember about him is that he was forever the clown, forever making me laugh, making me feel loved, and making me feel beautiful. And I wasn't the only one. I am so happy to start the first episode of 2018 with television and film actor Brendan Patrick Connor. Brendan's the kind of guy that just makes you feel good to be around. He's fun, funny, talented, and I am proud of what he's accomplished in the last two decades. His list of IMDb credits includes Mike and Molly, NCIS, The Blacklist, Mad Men, The X-Files, and the list goes on and on and on. This is part one of our interview, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. In high school, I had uh, I, I went to a 
Holy Trinity High School on Long Island. And Holy Trinity is a really good theater school. I mean, I think, I think uh, besides like the LaGuardia High School in New York City, Fane School, mm-hmm. yep. I think I think New York, uh, Holy Trinity is one of the best in the state. And that's completely coincidental. I grew up, you know, a couple miles away, so I just went to it. And um, uh, I did a play called, uh, when I was a sophomore, I did a play called Heaven Can Wait. Mm-hmm. You know this? Yeah. And so it's actually, it's actually a funny story. Like, I was cast in it as just like an extra. And I was so thrilled, you know, just to be on stage. But it being uh, the 1980s, <laughs> there was a kid in it who, I forget his name, but he had a small part as like a doctor. Like, he had a, he played a doctor and he had like four or five lines. But it being the 80s, he had like a, he had like a mullet. Right. <laughs> and, and he was very proud of this mullet. And, uh, the, and I didn't have a mullet. And the director said, you know, if you want to play, because the play takes place in, I think, the 30s or the 40s or something. And you, the director said, you know, you have to cut your hair if, if you want to play this character. And he kind of stalled and he refused to cut his hair. So about a week before we went up, uh, the director said, you know, Brendan, kid, you're on. <laughs> so I played, I played the doctor and having to wait. Um, yeah, I think I was about 15 and I just kind of fell in love with it. I remember I, I got laughs on stage and it was kind of like, a, you know, one of those moments in life where you realize that you want to do something more. And then so, you know, in high school, I kind of Were you scared? kept going. Did you get scared when they suddenly were like, hey, get, by the way, go? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I, mean, I, I still get scared. Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> Don't you? Totally. Do you? Oh, so, totally. Every time. Every single time. Yeah. Yep. Never, go, never goes away. Nope. The, the, the difference is that you got to be scared and go out there anyway. Right. It's, right. it's, it's fight or flight. You know, yep. it's like going to go on. <laughs> On stage in front of a few hundred people is a completely unnatural situation. Right. <laughs> so it, my instincts are always to run in the opposite direction. But you have to kind of, you know, lean into it, which I guess is why we love to do it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So you, so at that moment when you, when they, after that show or that performance, you just, you knew you wanted to do it long term at that point? You know, I, I'm, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, well, I knew I liked it, so yeah. I, I knew I kept doing it. I didn't know that, like, I didn't have any grand scheme. I never thought in a million years that I would be able to do it for a living. Um, I just kind of knew I liked it. I didn't really put much more thought about it, you know, into that. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of kept happening, you know, I kept doing plays. So. And then, so what did you, what did you study... What did you study in college? You minored in theater, right? I minored, yeah. I, I studied communication studies, which uh, was very prestigious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think in order to minor in something, now again, I came from high school where I did theater. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I went to Niagara with you. And... Um, they said, well, you have a couple of electives to take. So I said, well, I'll take the theater class because I had so much fun doing it. And it was with uh, a guy, you, you know, Tim Ward. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of fell in love with uh, that guy. He was a great teacher. Well, yeah, he, and can I, make, he can make anybody fall in love with 
with the process, you know, from, from an artistic standpoint, he's just, he was lovely. He was so validating and supportive and fun. And yeah, it was just like a big hug, you know, it was a big break. Yep. It was a big welcome to Niagara. Funny enough, uh, we have a mutual friend, Aaron Dayo, mm-hmm. who recently found Tim Ward's textbook, uh, amongst his, you know, he was cleaning out an attic or something like that. Yeah. just gave it to me. I just found it, like, I just got it, like, a week ago, so... Oh, how cool. Yeah, I have mine, too, but I'm missing, like, there was supposed to be a Chapter 13, and (laughs) it's missing, and I don't know if it ever existed, so when you look at it, tell me if you have Chapter 13, (laughs) because I want it. (laughs) It could be one of those things, like, you know, like, some buildings don't have a 13th Exactly! That's what I was wondering. I was like, what? How? Where is this chapter? I don't understand. Wow. Yeah. That sounds very, that sounds very Tim Ward. It does, though. Uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that later. You can, sure. when you have a chance to find your book. <laughs> yeah, right. But wait, but he, so anyway, so I, I, I did, um, there were some electives that you could take, and I wound up taking all theater classes. And I think to be a minor, you had to do, like, five or six classes, and I just wound up doing that, so I so, was a minor. So when you, but when you left high school and you made the decision to focus on communications, what did you did you have did you have a plan at that point? What did you think you'd be doing? Uh, <laughs> or were you just kind of winging it? <laughs> I, you know, I really, honestly, Christina, I was I winged it up until about ten years ago. Okay. <laughs> I I, uh, I mean, I knew I liked loved acting. Yeah. I just ne- never in a million years did I think like it would ever be a, I'd ever be able to translate liking something into making a career out of it. Right. Um, so I, I also liked movies and I liked, you know, film and TV and stuff. So I thought, I thought somewhere, um, in communications and acting and stuff, something, I knew that was kind of my path, mm-hmm. but, um, I just, I don't, I don't know why I didn't go for the full theater major route. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, I really didn't know. I had no idea. I was just kind of wandering around. Yep. Uh, aimlessly. <laughs> but, but, I, but I knew it, I, I knew it, I knew it, my career was going to lay in that area somewhere. Right, right. Okay, great. So you were taking, so you're taking electives, basically, and got into the department, and then... Yeah. And I started auditioning for the plays and stuff, and, uh... They would cast me here and there and stuff, and it was fun. But, uh, that's how I got to know you. Right. Uh, and I really wound up um, kind of uh, socializing uh, with, with theater people quite a bit and kind of becoming a theater person there at Niagara. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, it was, great. Yeah. it was great. But at the same time, I was doing like, you know, it was cool. We took like the communications department. We, we made films, we made like little commercials, little documentaries. So I got a little, you know, a little bit of everything. I mean, a lot of, a lot of this stuff in the communications department at Niagara, at least at the time, I don't know what it's like now. It's very theoretical mm-hmm. and sort of dry for me. I really kind of liked it when we got, we learned how to edit video and, uh, you know, shoot little films and stuff like that. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. You know, and then I don't know if, if Tim was doing this when you were when you went through, did you take the directing class senior year? 
I didn't. You didn't? Okay. No. I don't know if Tim was, I don't think Tim was doing this in the early 90s, but by the time I went back to finish my degree in 98, I took that class, and he, one of the first assignments was that you had to create a music video. Oh, so cool. You had to go to the communications department and rent, um, a, you know, camera. rent a camera and figure out, you know, choose your music and figure out how to edit it and put it all together. And it was really fun. And I actually just stumbled across that VHS tape um, a couple weeks ago <laughs> and was watching it. <laughs> and in my what mind, song, what song did you use? I picked um, the Beatles, I'm Only Sleeping. <laughs> and I, it's funny because I, you know, in your mind, in my mind, I remember it being so much better. And then when I watched it, I was like, <laughs> 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 I mean, there were really fun parts of it, but I was like, oh, I want to go back and do this again. <laughs> but I loved well, yeah, it. Me too. I loved it. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that was the thing. Like, I, I, you know, that stuff was all sort of at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Uh, even back, back then. Like, I remember sort of, with uh, another friend of ours, uh, we would go and we would check out one of the cameras and we would go and shoot funny little videos and stuff. And I, I certainly don't want to say we were ahead of our time, but like it's all stuff that like now is kind of, you could all just do it on your phone and upload it to YouTube or whatever. But exactly. You know, it was all there. And, um, uh, you know, I, we did take advantage of it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, ultimately, like, I, I just kind of kept... I think that's kind of a, a theme in my life is I just kept coming back to acting, just kept coming around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was one of the few things that I was you know, kind of good at, I guess, you know, like I, I was, uh, I had fun doing it. So it was sort of a path of least resistance. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you graduated from NU, um, uh-huh. right? And then yeah. did you stumble into the next step? Or, or did you have a plan after that? What, and what was that next step? <laughs> you said you went well, back, You told me earlier, I think you moved back to New York right after. Yeah, I grew up, you know, I grew up on Long Island and uh, about an hour away from uh, New York City, or maybe four, 40 minutes or so, mm-hmm. by train. And I think one of the best things I ever did uh, kind of proud of, I, mean, I didn't know it at the time, was I guess like we graduate, you graduate college in May or June or so, and I moved out of my apartment, uh, to my to, to an apartment, I think like that September or so. Now, I don't even know if that's even economically feasible these these days. I don't know if people are even able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I had, I had uh, I, it was just a great thing for me. So I was just kind of thrust into New York City kind of on my own and I had to learn how to get through it and um, I moved in with a couple friends our, our, our mutual friend Bach Delorme mm-hmm. was one of them you know I was just kind of a kid um, and I mean I, look, I had my home where I grew up again 40 minutes away so it's not like I was going across the world yeah it wasn't a total foreign land for you yeah no but I had to fend for myself and I had got what happened was I had gotten a job with a production company uh company called Broadway Video, actually, which uh, has now grown into this sort of huge uh, production company. They do like third, they did 30 Rock, and it's owned by Lauren Michaels. Great. And, but at the time, it was just, it was a big company, but it was sort of like, they were just producing smaller stuff. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a while. I, again, I had no idea what I wanted to do. 
I really did not know. I, I thought it might involve, like, a production company in New York City. So uh, I just started working there. I did, like, office work. And, you know, I just, my heart really wasn't in a lot of this stuff, and I wasn't particularly good at a lot of it. Um, and so as I, you know, as I worked there, I, I, luckily for me, I had some ambitious friends, and we had done some improv comedy in high school and college back when I was, you know, I would come home. And so my, my friend Brett um, said, you know, why don't we start doing some sketch comedy? You know, we were all big fans of like Kids in the Hall mm-hmm. and Saturday Night Live and stuff yeah. like that. You know, Monty Python, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, why don't we, why don't we do that? Um, here in New York. And I said, yeah, all right, you know, it's another opportunity for me to act, you know. Um, so we would, we would write and we'd, we'd meet and write and we would book theaters and we'd, you know, put on these shows with four or five of us and we would do these comedy sketches. And I, I just absolutely fell in love with doing it. It was, it was kind of, uh, you know, uh, again, another aha moment. Yeah. But, you know, never in a million years that I think I, I hoped that it would be something, but I just I just couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine how you go from A to B, like yes, you know what I mean, like performing in this black box theater in New York, doing our comedy sketches for forty people, to somehow being on a TV show or something like that. But I just you know I loved doing it, and I wound up doing it for. Uh, I mean, I wound up doing that for six or seven years uh, with various versions of, you know, sketch groups. Now, did and, you uh, study, had you studied improv formally at all during that time, or were you just well, kind of going yeah, instincts and... Well, we, we we didn't do improv, we did sketch comedy, but a lot of our sketches were born out of improv. Like, we would, we would get together... Uh, for a writing session and we would do like improvs and stuff and sort of a germ of an idea would come from that and we would write it and then perform the written sketch but I had never like I said it, my, my high school was a really kind of a, um, a really great performing arts high school and we had this great facility and these great teachers and one of the things that they really um they really drilled to us was improv. So I, in high school, I had done a ton of improv. And we used to tour around to other schools and do improv for them. And we would do improv shows um, uh, for the other students, you know, during the school year and in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I had studied it then, but I had never studied improv. And I still have not, um, you know, in like a Upright Citizens Brigade or a Second City. I've never done that I certainly would recommend it to anybody. Yeah, I would too. I, I did. I did it here. I studied it here you in did? Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I took some um, down in Phoenix. Um, it wasn't, uh, um, you know, it wasn't like Del Close's method or anything like that. But right. it was still, it's still professional improv troupe, and um, I think it's great what? for any actor to do just for, um, just to help with. Um, confidence and nerves and 
and thinking quickly on your feet, you know, because once you, you once you have to do like we had to do like a sh you know a final showcase, and when you have to go out there and do improv, like, <laughs> I mean, you once you do that, you I realized anyway that I can handle any situation. So if I'm in a live theater setting, no matter what happens, I, it. I'm not as scared any by any means like I used to be because I know that if worse comes to worse, you can get through it somehow. You know, mm -hmm. you, can, you can improv your way through it. <laughs> yeah, uh, believe me. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is too is it's it's uh, in, the thing I always found amazing about it, and now that we're talking about it, it makes me want to do it more. Yeah. But um, the thing that was amazing about it to me is that the more you did it, the better you got at it. It's like a muscle. Mm -hmm. So, um, by the time, if you're, if you're pretty confident with it and you've been doing it for a while, the fear part of it never fully goes away, but there's much more of a, a confidence to it when you get out on stage that you can handle it. Yeah. You know, which is amazing. It's, it's not terror. You know, the, the terror subsides after a while. Right. But my, my, my God, how many times... I mean, I, I can't, I can't stress enough how important improv is. If anyone's listening to this and wondering, um, if, if I have advice, take an improv class. Yeah. Because you'll, you'll never get a, a more practical, um, tool in your toolbox. Uh, I mean, right. how many times, how many auditions, sometimes when you audition for something, and you improv something in it, you gotta be careful. You have to sort of judge the room, sense if that's okay. But sometimes a little improv during an audition will actually get you the job. Yeah. You know? And some of those commercial auditions now are improv, are complete improv. You know, they want, you know, you've got the right, they want you to come in, but then they're like, there's no, really no lines. Let's just see. Here's the story. Here's the general outline of the story. Now let's see what you do with this particular person. It's like, okay. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't want to write the commercial. We want you to write it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. You know, I, I not, not to be cynical, but like I've heard of situations where like, someone will go into one of these commercial auditions like this. They'll improv something and they won't get the job. But whoever does get the job shoots the commercial and they do the line that, you know, the person improvised. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a big no-no. But -no. actually, I think, I think according to like SAG rules, I think there is a rule that says you can't really ask someone to improv uh, during an audition. They do, but... Uh, yeah. Some some limit to it or something. Yeah, yeah. So so you were doing sketch comedy um, with friends yeah. in New York, and then uh, how did that? Yeah. What, 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 so did you say? Because you never seen that. Like you said, you never, you never saw it. Or came to New York or whatever. We did this for years. And what happened was, so what happened was, we were doing it in like theaters, black box theaters. We would rent out the space, and we would write. We used to do these things where we would like write a new show every month or something like that. It was really crazy. Like it was such great training. I didn't know it at the time, but like we would be like performing a month's worth of shows while writing next month's show. Wow. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it was, that's great. It was just so cool. And um, then what happened was it all kind of fizzled out at one point. Like everyone just kind of got exhausted. 
But again, I, 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 so I, I would go back to work in these jobs and I just didn't have any, I didn't have the heart for it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm just remembering this now. I, I remember seeing an ad in either the, the Village Voice or the, the New York Post or whatever one of these free periodicals that said like, um, comedians or sketch groups wanted or something like that for an, uh, like a sort of an open mic thing. And then had a phone number. And I remember talking to two or three of the guys that I used to do this stuff with. I said, you know, we haven't done this in a while, but we have all these old sketches. Why don't we um, try to do these at like comedy clubs or these open mic things? You know, see what happens. And so I had to, you know, the reply was, yeah, sure, whatever. So I called this number, and it turns out it's, it was a, um, a manager, a comedy manager, um, who ran this evening of um, comedy at a place called F-Stop in Manhattan. It's a great little club. It's in the basement. And she's, her name is Liz, and she said, send me a tape. So I sent her a tape and never heard back from her. And I just kind of kept bugging, bugging her. And she would say to me, she would say, you know, I haven't watched it yet. Call me in a week. <laughs> and so I go, okay. I would call in a week. And that happened like two or three times. Mm-hmm. And finally, she, I called her and she goes, yeah, she goes, she's actually really funny. She goes, you guys can come and do it. Uh, when? And she's like, three days from now. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh my God. I, know. Now, I, I didn't even remember like what tape I gave her or whatever. I, because talk- I didn't remember what, like, what guys were, what, who, who in the group was involved. So Yeah, talk about the nerves setting in suddenly, right? Oh, yeah. God, Christina, you have no, no idea. I'm getting nervous just thinking about it. <laughs> so... So we, um, geez, I can't believe I, I'm just remembering this now. We, we got together and we, uh, rehearsed two or three nights. We hadn't done this stuff in months. And we went out on stage that night. And I'll, I'll never forget, we got there. And I didn't know what to expect. We got there. It was like Dave Chappelle was there. Wow. Uh, Colin Quinn. These big names were there. Yeah. This is 20 something years ago, but still. Yeah. And, and we went out there and we killed, like we, it was like explosive how well, it, just because, awesome. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It was just kind of like lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. and everyone loved it and stuff. And again, there's another aha moment. So this, um, this woman, this manager says, look, she goes, I want you to come next weekend. It's so good. Do it again. So we're like, okay. And. We went and did it, and we did a few different sketches. And again, it was like, it was a big, it was a big reaction. And it was so great. And so she said to me, she goes, and at this point, I was kind of the point person for the group and her. She said, you know, I'd like to manage you guys. You know, I'd like to, you know, to, uh, I'd like to work with you. Okay, you know. So the next thing you know, we were, she sent us out to like, do, do like comedy clubs, like, you know, stand up in New York and Gotham Comedy Club and stuff. And we did really well at these things, you know? And then I think someone saw us, gave us, this woman gave me her card in her name, and she ran Caroline's, which I don't know if you know anything about comedy clubs in New York, why would you? I don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And there's probably a lot of other people that don't know, too, so yeah, fill us in. 
Yeah, I mean, New York City has, you know, like 30 comedy clubs. Yeah. Um, but Caroline's is kind of like, or at least it was then. I don't, I'm not sure what the deal is now. Back then, it was like the, the granddaddy of them all. The big time. She says, I'd love for you guys to do something at our club. And so we, I mean, I'm not, I'm not lying when I say this. Like we, we did Caroline's, it was a big deal. And we killed, you know, it was, it was huge. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so then what happened was, you know, we were all in our 20s and stuff. And uh, this went on, like, they, you know, it was kind of tough. I, I don't want to say we were ahead of our time, but, like, I feel like if we were around, like, 10 or 12 years later, we could have, like, videotaped and put, uploaded them onto Funny or Die or something like that. But, yep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But sketch comedy back then, it was it was a real sort of, um, it was just different. I mean, like, people weren't being handed sketch comedy shows out of the blue, you know, for mm-hmm. TV. And so it kind of, you know, after about a year, year or so, this kind of wore itself out a little bit. We did some other things here and there. But what happened during this whole thing is that, um, this manager started sending us out individually for, you know, TV or commercials or individual stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I was in my late 20s and I had a, a look at the time that was sort of what, what like a, a lot of advertisers were looking for. I was like the guy in the, the football jersey. That was my kind of archetype. Mm-hmm. And so I wound up like doing a lot of TV commercials uh, around that time in like the late 90s. In the late 90s, TV commercials were, it was kind of during like the dot-com boom. Yeah. Remember this? Yep. So there were, I, I would go, at this time, I was going out for like 10 commercials a week. And it was insane. And I wound up doing like, you know, 30 TV commercials over the course of five years or so. And it was awesome. And from there, I kind of uh, no, wait, were transitioned. You- were you getting paid what? when you were doing the sketch comedy stuff, too? Or was that just yes. exposure? You were getting paid for that, right? No, no. I mean, we would, you know, as a comedian, you know, like, if you play a stand-up comedy club on a Saturday night, they might give you, like, 50 bucks or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, you don't get, like, a cut of the door or anything like that? You just... No, we probably, maybe we did here and there, but, you know, to do that, you have to kind of, you have to kind of run the night and organize it all. And mm. I, I just don't think we were capable of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Oh, but uh, when she, obviously when she started sending you out on commercials, you're, you know, that, that was work, so. Um. Exactly. And I had a day job. I, I've had a day job throughout this whole journey of mine, and I still do. Uh, Me too. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, I wear it as a badge of honor, to yeah. be honest with you. I, I think it's great. That's the end of episode 13 featuring Brendan Connor. I had so much fun. 
having this long conversation with him and I look forward to sharing uh, the rest of the story like I said before it was just a delight to spend this time with him and we were laughing because I, we talked on the phone for about 20 minutes before we jumped into the interview and I told him it's such a rare treat usually people don't ask me about me <laughs> it's usually about them which it should be they're the guest uh, we were reminiscing remembering the past and he was just really complimentary about the podcast and work that that he'd seen me do and um, so it was just a delight if you enjoyed the podcast please uh, listen again tell your friends and if you feel so moved I'd appreciate a positive review on Apple Podcasts and you can also like us on Facebook and you can follow me on Twitter at Artist Dreams that's at Artist underscore Dreams I'm Christina Kipper and thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. Have questions or a story you'd like to share? We'd love to hear from you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit our website at livingthedreamacting.com.